be to the scriptures, please. We want to speak this evening on the subject, Israel and the bull calf. Israel and the bull calf. Exodus, please. The book of Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, please. Beginning to read at verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the years of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast day to the Lord. And they rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Keep your Bible open there. Mark it, please, at that chapter, for we will be referring to it and other portions of it. Let us pray again. Father, we thank you that the love of Jesus is something wonderful. We thank you, Lord, that you've loved us from before the foundation of the world. We thank you that you gave your son that he might die for sinners. Tonight, Lord, we think of our land, we think of our nation, we think of the people, we think, Lord, of all that has gone on around us in this day and this age. We pray in the mighty name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you, Lord, would now speak to our hearts, Lord, and strengthen your people. Lord, make us wise in the days in which we live. Lord, that we might see these things and know what we're looking at and behold those things. Lord, we pray should someone be here tonight or watch live or later whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or wherever. We pray, Father, that even the word then would instruct them, help them, encourage them. And if there's some that are unsaved, may it reach them, may it come to saving knowledge of Christ. Lord, now help me. Lord, as I bring your word, and I pray that thy spirit would move in our hearts to glorify the Son of God. For Jesus' name's sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. It's uh, Thursday the 28th of July. Alison and I were out for a meal. And after we had our meal, I went to pay. And I went to this counter. And behind the counter, they had a television up on the wall. And on the television screen was a large bull. It was a mechanical bull of some sort. 
And it was, I don't know the height of it, I haven't looked it up uh, to my bad, I should have maybe, but it seems like it's about 40 foot tall, I don't know. And on the back of the bull was a woman at the nave of the neck here, where the back meets the neck. And there around about it was uh, people who were dancing, but they were dancing in a style of worship around this bull. I thought it was strange and I asked, I said, what is that that's on the screen? What, what, what are you watching? And they told me then it was the opening of the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England. The commentators of, of that program, some of the words they used were to be desired in the sense that they could have maybe worded things different for the population. They said this bull was a symbol of light and love to the nations. This mechanical bull. And that's their words. I've copied it down. I've written it, written it here. I was going to say black and white. But it's in blue pen and white page. And it's, they said it was a symbol of love. Light and love to the nations. Wednesday night passed. We had a wonderful time in our prayer meeting here. Just down in the polytunnel. And we, I thought just came to me, I'm going to bring a Bible study, brought a Bible study, and I mentioned about bull calves being made by Israel a second time in the northern kingdom of Israel in 1 Kings chapter 12. And it came to me again about this bull that they had gathered around in England. And hence I couldn't sleep most of that night, Wednesday night passed, and I got up on Thursday morning and I started to write And it's from Exodus 32 in our reading tonight when Moses has went up the mount to meet with God. And the people of Israel, they think that he's away for a long time. In fact, in Exodus 24, when Moses is up the mountain, we're told Moses was up for 40 days and for 40 nights. For 40 days and 40 nights. Now, 40 The number 40 is important in Scripture. For example, even uh, to the the witness of Moses here, not only is he up a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, but Moses lived for 40 years in Egypt. Then after he left Egypt and uh, his flight was toward Midian, there he was in the backside of the desert for another 40 years. And then when the Lord met him at the burning bush, from then he brought out Israel out of Egypt through the blood of the Lamb and through the waters of baptism, as it were. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. They were 40 years in the wilderness there. So 40 is important. It is a number which represents testing, trial, and probation in the Scripture. Testing, trial, and and probation. For example, the Lord Jesus Christ was in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights after his baptism. And he was there with the wild beasts in the wilderness. Now the children of Israel in our reading are in the wilderness. The 40 years in the wilderness, testing, trial, and probation. Moses is up the mountain 40 days, testing, trial, and probation. And if you note that Israel who came out of Egypt 
None of them arrived at Canaan land save Joshua. He went and Caleb went. And notice this, if you will. Those who were the original ones who come out failed their probation. They failed their trial as a nation, as a people. They were more of a clan's people. But Moses went up the mountain to receive the law of God for this people. You see, a nation is made up of people, land, and of course, law. And hence, God was forming them to a nation. But because of their disobedience to the Lord, what happens? They don't make Canaan land. And it's the next generation that enters in the Canaan land. Notice in our reading in verse 1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. So they go to Aaron, they say, Aaron, we want another God. We want you to be our leader, but we want another God to lead us out. Jehovah, Yahweh God, who brought them out through the blood across the Red Sea and has so far looked after them, no longer is he even in their thoughts because he is the invisible God. You see, it's in our human nature to want to see before we believe. And it was in their human nature to see before they would believe. The Lord Jesus said that we are blessed as believers today. Blessed are you who have not seen and have yet believed, those of us who are saved and believe, because we believe because the Spirit and the Word lives in our hearts, and Christ by that Word and the Spirit is alive in us. Notice they wanted another leader. Some points I want to bring out this evening about this. And then I want to look to close up and round it up about what had happened in Birmingham and where the symbology comes from in the Lord's will. I'll look at that. First of all, here's what I want to bring to you, church. No matter how anointed a man seemingly is, no matter what his calling to ministry is, no matter how in touch he is with God. No matter the way God has used him, always remember this. The best of men are only men at their best. Moses went up the mountain and Moses disappointed the people of Israel if they had have had patience. I appreciated Kevin praying, saying that he loved me. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciated that but I'm just a man. I'm just a man. And the people of Israel, they were looking for Moses. Moses had disappointed them. And men will always disappoint us. You know, there are some people who say they fell away from faith. They walked away from God. Or they went somewhere else to worship or to something else to worship another God, if you want. Something happened and they were disillusioned 
or disappointed by some man or some woman in their life. And hence, this is why I'm back on the on the drink, as it were. I'm back out in the road. I'm back in the streets. I'm back doing this, that, and the other. Because of a disappointment of a man and a disappointment of a woman. And they backslide in their lives and backslide in their hearts. Brothers and sisters, friend, this is what I want to say to you. If your faith fails you because of a man, if your faith fails you because of a woman, then... Your faith has been misdirected. Even if you're disillusioned and you're being disappointed in them, your faith, the seeming feelings of that person, if they have disillusioned you so much, yes, we can all be disillusioned, but to you fall away from Christ, then your faith has been misdirected. Your faith has been in man and not in God. And sadly in religion, Many hold up men, whether it be a pope or a priest or a pastor or a preacher. They're only a man. Moses was a man called and used of God, respect by all means his office. But their hope was not in Moses. Their hope was in the Lord who brought them out of Egypt through the blood of the Lamb. Can I ask you this evening, where is your faith anchored in? And in whom is your faith anchored in? In Psalm 118 and verse 8, it says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Trust in the Lord, brother, sister, even in your disappointments, even in your disillusionments, even in your down settings. Trust in the Lord. Your faith should be in Christ and in Christ alone. Notice this in Exodus 32 and verse 1. Notice what they say about Moses. Exodus 32 and verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that's brought us out. The man. The man didn't bring them out. The Lord brought them out. The glory must always, the glory and testimony, the glory and salvation the glory in all things must be to the Lord, not to the man. Amen? He deserves the glory. But notice here, if we can put it like this, they were saying, as for this man, Moses. Commentators have even said that the way this is written in the original text, it is a very coarse language. They come to Aaron and they say, as for this man, Moses. He means nothing now. Oh, hi, you can be a hero, Moses, and now you're a zero, Moses. And maybe you're being discouraged by people you have plowed you know, and, and sowed into, and, and you've given off yourself and your, 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 your time and your efforts. Listen, as a pastor, we do it day in, day out. 
And all of a sudden, people just up and go. People think you're the worst, and you've been the hero yesterday and the zero today. Brothers and sisters, do all things as unto the Lord, and then you'll not be disappointed. This man, Moses, make us other gods. Is it not strange that this man, Moses, brings us out, but now they're talking about other gods? Why not say, well, Aaron, then you need us and bring us out? But no, they went to other gods. You know how man's heart turns away so quickly from those who they have received blessing of, but rather how quickly man's heart turns away from the Lord from whom all blessing flows. Secondly, popular opinion. The people gather. Verse 1, and when, Moses, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, notice the people gathered themselves together. So here, popular opinion is not always right. Popular opinion is not always right. These people, the popular opinion, they gathered themselves together. And they came together. Now let me, let me just put this in a bit of a context here. Let's just sort of try and, and, and understand this a little. This wasn't just 10, 20, 100 people. It wasn't even 500 people or 1,000 or 2,000 people gathered around the foot of the mountain looking up for where Moses would be and speaking to Aaron. No. The people here were greater than the population of the whole of Northern Ireland. The people here were greater than the population of the whole of Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland's about, what, 1.8 something million? It has reckoned there was between 2 to 3 million people. How far must they had to walk to gather together to go to see about another God? How far are men and women willing to go to accept anything and everything but the living God? It's not amazing that people can go out. I used to do it. I used to go clubbing for days and end. I used to go and sit in shabings. Give all my time, my money, my effort, my everything to the things of the world and the gods of this world. I used to do it all and I thought nothing of it. But yet sometimes it might be an effort to get out to a prayer meeting. Listen to what Exodus 32 Pardon me, Exodus 23 and verse 2 says. Exodus 23 and verse 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Notice, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Now I am bringing you someone here because they gather around a bull calf. Multitudes started to gather around a bull calf in Birmingham. Multitudes, millions gathered around it visually by television. Millions did, millions. Notice, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. This is what I have written. Popular opinion is not always right. Wrong is still wrong if everyone is doing it 
And right is still right if no one else is doing it. Follow not a multitude to do evil. And yet we have people in society who will follow a multitude. And whether it be a multitude to a stadium, whether it be a multitude to a stadium on the Lord's Day, even Christians, come on. It's went quiet. Notice here, people will follow a multitude because their popular opinion is to go. Family opinion, friends' opinion, social opinion, work colleague opinion, gathering together, and they go with the multitude to do evil. In other words, that which is not godly. Take note of this. The will of the people, the will of the people is not always the will of God. Now Israel's gathering together at the foot of a mount here. Maybe up to three million of them. How could they even hear what's going on with the multitudes that's gathering? How would they even know what's happening at the far end? There's no big screens here as they do in the pop concerts, you know. Notice here, the will of the people is not always the will of God. In fact, nowadays, the will of God is nowhere near the will of the people. For the will of the people in today's society is me, myself, and I, and I am my own God, my body, my choice, and my right. They make themselves greater than the Creator. Listen to Matthew 16, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? There's the Master's question. The Master's question. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now listen to the disciples. They give what they hear to the Lord Jesus. So let's say this is the people's consideration or their their overall opinion. The common consensus. Matthew 16 and verse 14. And they said, some say. Notice, some say. In other words, some are here and some have a different opinion and some have another opinion. Can I ask you something, brothers and sisters? How is it that the spirit of wickedness and the spirit of uh, lesser knowledge of things of God can always come together in unity, but sometimes God's people find it hard. And they wanted to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, Herod Antipas comes, and they all get together on the same night, and they detested one another, and they were all off an antichrist spirit, yet they were able to gather together in order to crucify the Christ of God. Some say this, and some say that, but these people are all coming together with the one thought. The lobbyist groups in the world today All the lobbyist groups, I can go through quite a few of them at the moment, but how is it they gather together? The Marxist parties, 
the communist parties, the liberal parties, how come they can all gather together as one with one voice in order to push forth an agenda? And they all believe in the same issues, but yet so different in every way. The green agenda comes in, the LBGT, so-called alphabet street stuff, and all of that. How come they can all gather together in the BLM and all of those parties? How is it those lobbyist groups can come together? I'll tell you how, because they're all off the same communist antichrist spirit. And it's a multitude that gathers together to do evil. And hence, don't follow the multitude and the churches. The churches have followed the multitude. Many of the churches had closed their doors when they're told. Then they've opened their doors to whomever they're told they open them to. Following the multitude to do evil. Oh, but pastor, you see, you don't understand. It's difficult because we get shouted at and people don't like us. Brothers and sisters, join the club. (laughs) I was just told that this afternoon there were people didn't like me. Just this afternoon before I had my dinner. And I went, good, because the Lord loves me. Notice this, brothers and sisters. Some say, thou art John the Baptist, they say to Jesus. Some, Elias or Elijah. And others, one of, one of the prophets. See, that's the, the general consensus. That's a popular opinion. But Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, but whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? Ah, it's different, isn't it? When it becomes more personal and you have to take your stand. You see, that's what's coming. People are going to say, who do you say the Christ is? What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? People are going to come to every one of us at some point and we're all going to be placed at the end of the long finger. What about you? What do you say? What about your faith? Where's your standing? Do you believe in this Christ? Do you believe that it's only through him that you can be saved? Do you believe he is the only way, the truth and the life, that no man cometh unto the Father but by him alone? Do you believe there's no other salvation in any other, but there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved? Are you telling me there's only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus? What do you say? And I say, yes, he is. Yes, he is. The one and only. But there's coming a time when the long finger will be pointed in all of our faces. And where will our faith be? See this whole, what they call this whole couple of years of COVID period. You know what it's showing me? There's been a lot of mouth in the church. Sadly, many of Pentecostal, so-called are charismatic. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go in my name of Pentecostal. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But it's all glory, 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 and well, all wonderful and all blessing and all of this. But see, when the trouble came, they'll say, well, just hide for a while until it goes away. Brothers and sisters, it's going to get worse. 
I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, by the way, because I know that the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. All of these just rejoice my heart, not because people are in sin, because the more they sin, the more I know God's coming, that Christ will soon come. But what would you say? Whom say ye that I am? Jesus says, now there's the disciples' deliberation. That's your deliberation. Who do you say that I am? Never mind the man beside you, the one in front of you, the one behind you, the woman over here and over there. Never mind their lifestyle and what you think of them and how better you think they could be. Whom say ye that I am? The disciples' deliberation, and only one of them had the answer. It was the Father's revelation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, if you're saved tonight, you've had the revelation of the Father, that he is his Son, and that he is the one who shed his blood for you. You see that we could go with the flow to say, well, Jesus is lesser. Jesus isn't as much. That Jesus, well, maybe he's a way uh, to heaven. He's many roads up the mountain leading to God and all these things that you hear, that Jesus is one among a few or even among many, that sure, we're all trying to find God. We're not all trying to find God. God came and found me. He found you. All the religions are saying, do, 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 do this and do that and do the other. And Christ comes and sheds his blood and he dies for us. And he says, it's done. It's finished. He alone is the savior. The mighty God in flesh. Notice brothers and sisters, Thirdly and quickly, just like in our reading, we must be ready. Moses came down when they weren't expecting it. Moses came down when they weren't expecting it. We must be ready. We must be prepared, grounded in the faith and be willing to take our stand. We must be willing to swim against the currents of all ungodliness and Godless, idolatrous, blasphemous currents of society and popular opinions and desireful lusts and wantonness. And whenever we do that, we stand out. And you know what they say? You're out of touch. You're out of touch. You're not in touch with us. You're not in touch with reality. Good. I don't want to be. I've been there. I would never go back. Turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians, please, chapter 6. We will get to more about this bull before we finish. Second Corinthians, chapter 6, please. So let me find it too. Listen to what the apostle says here. Come on. There we are. Let your eye run down to verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? In other words, what concord or what unification, what, what in common has Christ got to do with this Babylonian mystery religion of this world? 
what's Christ got in common with any of that? I take note of this. Or what part of he that believeth with an infidel? Notice, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? The temple of God. Now, you and I are the temple of God. Notice, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. I ask you a question. I, I, I can't get this right. Maybe, maybe there is and I don't know it or maybe there has been and I haven't seen it. Where was the temple of God as in the body of Christ when all of this was going on? Where was the outcry? Where was the outcry, I guess? Where was the teaching on it? Where was the calling of the people back to God on it? I haven't heard any. I don't mean to offend you if you're an Anglican and you're here tonight. But the Archbishop of Canterbury made a statement yesterday and he said that the Spirit of God was moving among the Anglicans as they all met together. Last week, I'm talking about all those in power in the Anglican church. Yet they were able to pass gay marriage. Where was the Spirit of God not? Where's the Spirit of God not? Yet even them with the Roman church, Roman Catholic church can put up idols. Idolatrous pictures. Where's the Spirit of God in that? Where's the Spirit of God in that? See, if you're saved, the Spirit of God already moves in your heart and you're grieved. You're grieved. I'm grieved at these things in our land. Notice verse 17. Wherefore, come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not. You're out of touch. Listen to what the Lord said. I've, I've read the scripture really for this point. Touch not. You're out of touch with world. You're out of touch with society. You're out of touch with what's going on. You're out of touch with the lobbyist groups. You're out of touch with the social media and the, and the mainstream media. You're out of touch, Ken, with everything that's going on. Good! Because it says, touch not the unclean thing. Touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just beautiful? I'd be your father. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20, listen to what Paul writes. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. Notice the rudiments of the world. And the word rudiments here, just to look at it for a second, it's the word stoichion. Or stokion. Listen to what it means. It means weaker, something more lowly or humbler. It means religious, orderly principles of man. So Israel are around the mountain after being led out by the glory of God, by the blood of the Lamb through the sea on dry shod. And they come out the other side and praising God. 
Water of a flinty rock. Bread, the man on the ground every morning and enough to do them all day. Quail, the birds to fly. You can have them as meat to eat. God blessing, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. God moving and showing himself in many manifestations. And because Moses goes up the mountain and he's disappeared for a little bit too long, man's heart has turned away from God because his eyes were on, their eyes were on Moses. What is wrong with our nation? What is wrong with our people? Israel are a backslidden people. And here today, we find the fallen far away from God. We're a post-Christian nation. And hence, you're to leave your faith at home and speak nothing of it. Brothers and sisters, the rudiments means the religious orderly principles of man. Here, God, who's led them all this way. They gather. Can you see them pressing in? Pressing in with their mindset to do something. Aaron, do something. Listen, he says, take off your earrings. The men had their earrings on too. (laughs) There's nothing new. Take off your earrings. How did they make a big golden calf? Do you think it was a half a dozen of them took off earrings? There was millions of them. Millions of them. And they piled the gold up and they burned it in a furnace to melt it down and then they formed their idol. You see how you've fallen out of multitude to do evil? Do you see, brothers and sisters, how society can lead those, maybe maybe even those on the periphery? Uh, Should we really be doing it? Come on! Everybody else is going to see Aaron. Moses away too long. We'll see what he has to say. Take your earrings off then and we'll make a golden calf. (laughs) He has a cheek when Moses comes down from the mount. Oh, he must have thought Moses was daft. What is this? This golden calf and their... Uh, they're fornicating around it. They're naked, by the way, around it. This isn't just we're going to bow down and worship it. They were naked around it. Exodus 32, please. Verse 25, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Strip themselves. Aaron says, take your... What sort of leadership's that? You know what? You strip yourself. And fornicate around here. It says the rose up the play. And all. That, that's just nice words so as it doesn't be too crude. They were filthy. They were They were abominable. They were sleeping around them with one another. Millions of them. Millions of them. Bowing themselves down to the golden calf. Do you know why they bowed down to a golden calf? Because it's easier to bow down to a dead idol than it is to the living God. For the living God will strike the heart. You know, if you bow down to an idol as such, you're not bowing down to the statue thing. You're bowing down to the devil behind it. The demon prince behind that. 
the demon prince that's moved and all of those people. Do you realize people, if you look at that video from Birmingham, I know it was the bull ring. I know it was to remember the bulls that died and the bull fighting and all that sort of stuff. Listen, I understand that, but they don't understand the spirit that's behind these things. And there they are doing this before it. Hundreds of them around it. A woman and, and the nave of the neck riding along in this bull. They go to a lower form of worship from the form of worship of Jehovah, the rudiments of the word, as Paul says in Colossians 2. And listen to what Paul says. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Listen to what he says. They say you're out of touch. Here it is. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Know what he's saying? You stay sanctified. Church, do you hear me? Stay sanctified. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. He's talking about this religious system. Now, we're going to look at Babylon in a few moments, just briefly, and how this bull would represent everything from the the cult mystery religions of Babylon. And the mystery religions come right through into the book of Revelation. In Babylon, the greatest fallen has fallen. That's what's going to happen. The monetary system that you're under today is Babylonian. The one world, or the one world government is Babylonian. The ecumenical system headed up by the Church of Rome is Babylonian. Bringing in the heart of daughters, the horror of Rome and the heart of daughters of Protestantism, apostate Protestantism, Babylonian. They've moved away from the Bible. They've moved away from the scriptures. They've moved away from the preaching of the book. They've moved away from preaching of the word and the blood of Christ. They've allowed everything else to come in under the lobbyist pressure groups. Popular opinion might say you're out of touch, but good. If you're out of touch with them, hopefully then you're in touch with God. They might say you're out of step. Well, listen, the first Samuel 20 in the end of verse 3, David says, but truly as the Lord liveth as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. There's but a step between me and death, David said. And we don't know the step that we'll take, that we will stand before God. And are you ready? Are you right? Are you saved? Fourthly, in Exodus 32, the weakness of Aaron's leadership. This is where I'm not going to be light for this by others. The weakness of Aaron's leadership is the ultimate downfall of Israel. Do you know what Israel, Britain's greatest downfall is? The weakness of leadership. Not even government leadership. Oh, yes, there. Church leadership. 
leadership behind the pulpit. Leadership from the preaching of the word. Leadership with leaders who will stand up and speak out. But rather we have soft, soaping, spineless men. No backbone. Backbones carved out of soft banana. Backbones like a wet noodle, some of them. They won't speak out. They won't stand up. The weakness of Aaron's leadership is the ultimate downfall of Israel. And if Israel ever needed a voice to lead and to guide it, it was now. If Israel ever needed a voice, a prophet, a preacher, the spiritual leader to stand up. Stand up. It was now. What are they going to do for this man Moses? Act, forget about him. Forget about this man Moses. He's away too long up that mountain. But he's away for your good. Aaron should have been standing and saying, listen people, he's up meeting the Lord and he's going to come back with the law of God for us. And God has led us out, not Moses. It's glory to God, not the man. Now everyone, back to your tents and pray and await the coming of Moses with the word of God. That's what he should have done. But instead he says, I take off all your gold and we'll make a golden calf and fall down round it. You're seeing the like of you're seeing the like of it in this last few years. It's like the idol in the book of Daniel. And then the musicians were to play. Nebuchadnezzar made the great idol and, and it's in Babylon. When the musicians start to play, he says, you all fall down and worship. So the musicians start to play and everyone, the whole multitude, all follow each other to do evil. They fall down to worship. But Daniel goes and he opens his windows towards Jerusalem and there he prays unto Yahweh, the God of Israel, three times a day. Churches used to sing, dare to be a Daniel, you know, dare to be a Daniel. The darn went out the window, didn't it? And when the government passed laws, where was the call to prayer? Where was the call to take a stand? Where was the call to fill the halls of Stormont? Where was the call to get on the planes and the boats and over to London, to Westminster, to picket? Where's the call to go down to Dublin, down to the Doyle, and that neither in nor out until they heard a voice? Where was the call? And now Ulster has gone in, Northern Ireland has gone in to an elitist European Union with the Republic of Ireland, a land grab through the Republic of Ireland. It's a land grab of the European Union, a latest federation, an elitist group of the European Union. Brothers and sisters, here's the thing. If you're blood-washed and blood-bought and you're saved by the grace of God, I don't care where you've come from, a Catholic background or a Protestant background. If you're Christ and you're saved, I need you to listen. 
It's time to say no more. It's time to stand up and speak out. It's time to say, no, we're not going down the road of these globalists. We're not going to have the green agenda in our church on Sunday nights. We're not going to do it. Okay, I must bring you somewhere here. I was reading different bits and as I was writing this on Thursday and the old pastor, i seen a quote from him in one of his books and I thought that's brilliant. So I wrote it down. Pastor McConnell, listen to this. I quote him. We are not supposed, we are not to suppose that a faithful ministry is an easy task. No man can continually rebuke his age and yet be living a luxurious life unless he indeed is a victim of hypocrisy or the tool of vicious hallucination. The prophets of the Lord have always been opposed to the age in which they lived. Whenever the ministry has fallen into accord with the age It is not the age that has gone up. It is the ministry that has gone down. Weak leadership. The old saying was, as goes the church, so goes the nation. Weak leadership. Where was the outcry when these things are happening? These laws abominable to God. Where is the outcry when these are happening? And so Aaron fashions the golden calf and he cries, These be thy gods, O Israel. Notice, a golden calf after all that's happened. Someone says to me, I think it was last week, I'll tell you where he's from. He's from Louth in Dublin, down south in Dublin. And he was fixing my car. I didn't know. I'd never met the man. And I'd, I'd came up to get to leave the car. Actually, I was, I was leaving the car off. That's what was happening again. He was going to fix it. And he comes up to me and he says, Good Pastor Davidson. And I'm still in the car. And I went, ah, yeah. Didn't know where I was going to get beat up or shot. <laughs> I went, yeah. He'd had, he'd talk to me a bit like this sometimes, you know. You're Pastor. And I went, oh, dear. And I went, the window was down about that. And I went, yeah. <laughs> he says, my... My father and my sister, uh, no, they're not Louth, Dunleary, pardon me, Louth, Dundalk, pardon me, Dunleary, south of Dublin. My dad and my sister watch you every single week, morning and night. He says, and so do I. I went, really? And this is what he said. I started talking to him. He says, please keep preaching the way you preach. I says, thank you. Because sometimes I don't usually get that. I get a lot of other things. <laughs> In fact, sometimes Alison and I would be walking maybe through somewhere, a town or whatever, and you see somebody going, Turn on. Mm-hmm. And this is what he said. Please keep preaching the things you're preaching. I says, thank you. He says, no. 
He says, Northern Ireland, he says, is the last bastion of the true gospel in the whole of Europe. He says, and it's been lost. He says, please, keep shouting out. And he talked about the elitists and the New World Order. He says, we're 100% behind you with it. He says, in fact, I'm going to arrange. My sister wants to come up and see you. He says, she wants to come up to the tent to hear you preaching. I says, well, you, you get her up and you tell her to come over and say hello to me. And this is what he said. He says, I will. He says, but I want you to know, he says, if, if Ulster goes, he says, Europe's gone. You listen, brothers and sisters, Israel gathered around a golden calf and I seen them again in Birmingham. But they do it as quick here. If Ulster goes, then Europe's gone. I know this has got some connotations about it when I say this, but I'm saying this in every single way, sense, shape, and form, in the right sense. Ulster says no. No to the elitists. No to the New World Order. No to their agenda. No to the European Union. People have said, you've, you put out videos, and so I did, thousands of them. Videos, that's why, well, <laughs> that's why my other place didn't want me. And, and <laughs> you put out videos, thousands of them. I'll not mention any names. You put out thousands of them. And they've come to me and say, oh, look where you are now with your REC border and all this sort of stuff. No, are you sorry now that you went and you preached it and you've done the whole town hall thing and all and poured it down? Say, no, I'm not. I'm still pressing on that we're still going to go on with God and God's going to rescue us. God's going to rescue us. But you know how he'll rescue us? See, by all of you and every other Christian out there, if they will, who are blood-bought and blood-washed, get on their knees and pray. Do you know what Mary, Queen of Scots, said? about John Knox in Scotland. She said she feared the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. <laughs> See, now you're saying I'm going to pray for you anyway. Yeah, so well, I'll pray. I'll, I'll, and imprecatory prayers, when you're praying against into something, eh, so what? There's no fear anymore. That, because the church has lost the clout and power. Let me just get down to this last bit. Sorry, time is going here. Any true leadership, as in Aaron here, any true Israelite or any true Christian today, any true heart that's, that loves Christ, should have cried as soon as these, they seen what was being formed, this is idolatry. Should have been crying that. Christians should have been standing outside the bull ring going, this is idolatry. You see, idolatry starts in the mind. And Israel seen in Egypt what was being formed in Egypt and what was worshipped, apsis like the horns of the bull with the disc in it. You ever see in, in Islam, the big disc? Apsis. Or hapsis, hapsis, which is uh, the bull who the Egyptians worshipped too. And they see this and they go, well, you know what? Make us one of them. Make us one of them. But what about the living God? What about the living God who opened a sea for you? 
who blew with his wind and you walked dry shod right across the sea. Three million off you with your cattle. It didn't take five minutes, you know. In fact, it's believed that they walked five abreast. How long would that take? About two or three million? Five been the number of grace through the sea. And you want a bull calf? You want to go and worship at a dead idol? You want this? Uh, uh, Ulster, you want this? You look at the state of our nation. You look at the state of our people. You look at the state of the place. You look at the state of the laws and the governments. You look at the state of it and you want this? I'm speaking to the believer. Is this what you want? Idolatry should have been shouted. And as Paul says in Romans chapter 1, that they changed the glory of the corruptible God the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto the corruptible man to birds, to four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. That's what Paul says. And then they started to lie with one another. Men with men doing that which is unseemly, he said. Women leaving the natural use of a woman. You want that? You want this idol? Want this idol? Paul writes this in Romans chapter 1. So, this bull worship, calf worship, in fact, Israel is separated into two kingdoms. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, the 10 tribe northern kingdom of Israel under Jeroboam, what's the first thing he does? He sees them going down to worship in the southern kingdom of Judah to Jerusalem. And he thinks, I'm going to lose these people. It's too much for you. And he makes two bull calves. Puts one in Bethel and he puts one in Dan. These be thy gods. It says the same words. These be thy gods, O Israel. Don't need to go down to Jerusalem to worship. Here are the gods that have brought you out. And over the years, God just warned them through the prophets and scattered them. So on the Thursday, the 20th of July, at the opening of the Commonwealth Games, we've seen this massive bull with the commentator saying this was a symbol of light and of love. Let me tell you something about bull worship. The, when I say God, you know they're false gods, so please bear with me if I just say God. I don't mean they're the living God, false gods. The Greek so-called God Zeus, the highest God, said that he goes to uh, Phoenicia, which is Lebanon today, where Tyre and Sidon is. And that's where Jezebel comes and marry, from who marries Ahab and becomes queen, of, as it were, in Samaria, the northern kingdom's capital of the house of Israel. Zeus disguises himself as a bull, he goes and he takes this maid known uh, as Europa. And he places her on his back. And he runs with her away. This is the story. And he goes to Crete, the island of Crete. And there he rapes her. That woman, Europa, the name Europa comes from the idea, which gives the, the, the idea of the broad face off. The broad face off. 
And hence, it gives the idea of a bull, or, or she was a cow or a calf, and she had two big eyes, a broad face of a cow. It's the idea of Europe, Europa. And hence, the broad face of the earth becomes known. That's where Revelation takes us through, where the gospel went forth, where Israel were scattered, the broad face of the earth of Europe. And it becomes known as Europe because of Europa. Now, Zeus, in Rome, his counterpart, or in other words, the same deity, as it were, false deity, is Jupiter. And when you go back further east, you go right into Babylon, and you have the deity there, and that deity there is Baal or Baal. And that is the god of the mystery religions of Babylon. And hence Israel worshipped around Abul. It's known as Hapis and Apsis in Egypt. They form this Babylonian system. And hence in our nation today, this system we live in is Babylon. Spiritual, financial, and now we're living in a Babylon where even right to our very face, right in the open, in a bull ring with thousands around, you watch it, it's as if they're doing this in worship before him. And there's blood coming out of his eyes, representing the bulls that died. Nevertheless, there's blood coming out of his eyes and a woman at the nape of his neck. This was a massive thing and it's all moving parts and there she is riding upon this beast. You look at the two euro coin. And there you'll see the woman riding the beast. A bull. You look at it. Google it when you go home. Especially the Greek coin. But the two-year-old coin, there's the woman riding the beast. That's what they were gathered around. That's the things that are happening in our nation. Let me finish with something, will you please? Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. You see, I want you to see the mystery religion here. See, the, when you go back into the book of Genesis before we go here, back to the book of Genesis, you have Nimrod building the Tower of Babel with the people and God scatters them and so on. We see, it said Nimrod married a woman called Semiramis. Nimrod, it said, died. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but other books, if memory serves me, I think it's the book of Jasher. Jasher's mentioned in the Bible, the book of Jasher, but it's not in our canonized I think it's the book of Joshua, if my memory serves me right. And it tells us that Shem, Noah's son, kills Nimrod. The godly line of Shem, he goes and he kills Nimrod. Cuts him to pieces and sends him across the whole of the country. Samaramas becomes pregnant with a baby. He has a baby and calls him Tammuz. And what happens in is that Nimrod is worshipped, deified as the sun, the S-U-N in the east, which goes over to the set in the west. Nimrod, worship him all day from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. It's the idea of it. 
Semiramis is then worshipped as the moon goddess. And Tammuz is worshipped as a, as a god and God's son. And they pass through the fires. His name gives the idea of fire. And in Egypt, they start worshipping the symbology of Nimrod the bull. The Chaldean word is tur, T-U-R, for the Chaldean word. That's around Babylon. It's tur. And tur simply means ruler, who is a bull. Nimrod from Babylon, the mysteries. Now, Revelation 17, please. Verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. Notice there's a woman sitting on the beast. The bullring had a woman. She could hard, you could hardly see her, the thing's that big. And there she is, and the head's moving up and down. And the woman's coming across like this, sitting on the beast, while they all bowed down to it. Danced around it. Rose up the play. The only thing was, they thankfully they kept their clothes on. The woman sat upon the scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Brothers and sisters, we could go on and on here Time doesn't allow us. This is coming now. It reveals the, the, through history the, the great whore becomes the, the church of God at Rome that Paul writes to. And then, of course, Constantine makes a profession of faith. Do you know what he does? To, to appease the pagans of Rome, he brings it and he brings some paganism into the church. And so he mixes paganism with the Christianity of the church that he knows and then after that, the Roman church is formed, the Roman Catholic church is formed, and they form their idols. And out from that, we have the just shall live by faith, the Protestant Reformation. Oh, things are going back to light. They wanted to reform the church. But after that, sure, through time, what happened? They, they went to see him. They went to see him, become an abomination, many of them, unto the Lord. There's no difference. Brothers and sisters, this woman who is riding the beast, this beast is the devil. I'm saying this and that's me finished. When Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel 2 sees uh, into 3 and 4, it's when they have the head of gold and the, the image that he has, and then you have the, the, the column that he makes, and people to fall down and worship it. After his kingdom, then you have Belshazzar's. Feast, and then you have Darius or Darius, the Medes and the Persians come. 
Well, do you know a lot of the mysteries, those soothsayers, if you want, of Babylon, they ran away. And they took all of their paperwork with them, as it were, and all their mystery religions. And it was scattered all over the place. But they went to Pergamos. When they went to Pergamos there, they met uh, the king there who was called Attalus III. And Attalus III, he then takes them in and learns the mystery Babylon religion even deeper. Atlas III dies. And when Atlas III dies, he bequeaths his titles, everything that he has of the mystery religions, to pagan Roman emperors. And one of them was Pontifex Maximus. That came from Babylon to Pergamos to pagan Rome. Listen, brothers and sisters, Jesus said in Revelation chapter, come on, verse 2 or 3. He says, I know, to the church at Pergamos, I know where Satan's seat is. I know where Satan's seat is, he says. All of these things, the monetary system of the those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan, the Bilderbergers and the Rothschilds and the Soros groups and their lobbyists, and they're paying for the lobbyist groups to create trouble in the land, and the, the elitists that come in, they're all in the elitist New World Order. The Illuminati comes from it. They're all together. And they want you and I to worship around their bulka. Do you know in Birmingham they also had a ziggurat? Who knows what a ziggurat is? You ever see a pyramid that goes up like this? It's a Babylonian ziggurat. They had one of those with a big single eye on it. In 2012 in the Olympics, they had a giant, what looked meant to be a doctor, with a big giant coat on, massive in the stadium, And there they lined the whole stadium floor with hospital beds. Patients in the beds telling us, I mean, this is in the Olympics, telling us there's something coming now. It was a new world order plot and plan. And within a few years, what was it all about? And listen, we have people in here work for the NHS. Doctors and nurses, and we bless you. We, we, we are glad of it at times. But I can tell you something. Tell you something. All that you heard, all the things about it can't cope, all the hundreds of thousands of millions of, I don't know how many was meant to have died or did die or didn't die. I can tell you this, they all had that planned. And people worshipped around that golden calf. I'm glad I didn't. I'll worship only at the feet of Jesus. God bless us tonight. See, truth sets you free, doesn't it? Sense the Lord. Are you saved tonight? Are you born again? Are you ready for him? 
this Moses, the greater than Moses, the Lord Jesus is up the mountain, as it were, of God in the heavens, and he's coming again. Are you ready? Are you safe? Timmy, just come up, please. Some of us will be hanging about, and if you will, come and see anyone if you're concerned for your soul. Come and talk to us. God bless you all.